Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie. How are you? I'm actually great now. (laughs) So, we just finished our recording with the beautiful Beck from Trip in a Van, and this morning, I no joke, woke up with the flu. It's not COVID. I've tested. (laughs) I was like, we've already postponed this interview by a day because of the flooding, We're not going to get into that because everyone needs a place to escape, but we'd already postponed it once. I was like, we can't postpone it again. Just get up out of bed, smash it out for an hour. She is such a bubble of joyous energy that I feel like she's cured me. I'll be in an absolute heap in like half an hour's time, but I like forgot I was sick. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling positive. I'm about to whip my kids out of daycare and set out on the road. It's I was thinking it was something all, to do with me, but no, it's actually just not, all Dal. You Beck. have the absolute opposite effect on me. Yeah. Beck, however. No, tell me how you really feel, Soph, because you never oh, no, do. I will. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. No, I love you and I miss you. Jade is down in Melbourne today. She fled. She's having an epic time with her girls. Before we get into this episode, Can actually, I talk? No, never. No, I've <laughs> cured now. I asked Jade to take over today because I felt sick and now you can't fucking shut me up. Now the control freak in Sophie will not stop. I don't think she ever does stop. But I am in Melbourne and I'm going to see my nan and I'm so excited and my pa, but we always say nan because she's told us she is making scones for Billy and she's making passion fruit sponge cake for me. And is there any other reason that you would fly to Melbourne other than that? So no. here we are, which is Does she still so listen to all the episodes? Um, I've got to ask her that question, but if you're listening, Nan, I bloody love you. All right, let's get straight into Rude or Fabulous because you have an absolute ripper apparently. I love Oh, God, don't don't talk it up too much. This I know, just I got know. sent in by a beautiful listener called Claire. Rude or Fabulous, I put the bedroom fan on high while I put my toddler to sleep so that she has to close her eyes <laughs> and it makes her go to sleep faster. <laughs> Cuts the time I have to lay with her in half. That is freaking <laughs> fabulous and not rude at all. In fact, I'm going to take that tip and see if it works with all my children. I just want to know what she dresses her child in to go to sleep. Like, does she have to dress <laughs> them in <laughs> Arctic wear and then leave the fan on all night so she's comfortable or does she just dress her in normal pyjamas and then turn the fan off? And is it a ceiling fan or is it like one of those industrial Bunnings fans that are just straight in the face? Her, her Claire, daughter's asleep while she's having an absolute Beyonce moment. I love it. It's a win-win. It's so good. Okay, I've got a mum hack and it came in via our newsletter. So if anyone hasn't subscribed to our newsletter, you can at any time because you're getting some ripper content. <laughs> like Jane's now. feet. <laughs> like, but no, not my feet. My sister-in-law's feet. Okay, she was not impressed about that, so I have to say sorry to Greta. She's like, oh, my God. Anyway, long story short. She didn't want everyone to know about her bunions. 
No, actually, I want to say something. I genuinely don't think that she has hideous feet. She's always said that she does, but she actually doesn't. She actually got quite nice feet. I'm not going to get her feet up because I think I'm just digging myself a hole. We promised we weren't going to talk about feet or periods in today's introduction, (laughs) but here we are again. (laughs) Okay, mum hack. Hi, ladies. Thanks for your fab podcast. It has been the source of lots of giggles on days that I really needed them. Oh, bless you. I have a mum hack for you. We were trying to teach our four-month-old to self-settle for his naps, and I was really struggling to listen to the cry while I watched the clock without rushing on there to settle him. I decided to find a distraction while he settled himself to sleep. So I would save up my morning poo, post-coffee poo, for when I put him down for his nap. I would put him down and go straight to the bathroom and sit on the toilet. Nothing like a poo to make you stay put. It's a win-win. I got to do a poo, which is hard to find when you have a newborn, and Bub would settle after three minutes and have a good nap. Happy days. (laughs) Okay, we might not talk about feet or period, but we're going to talk about post-coffee poos. There's nothing quite like it, really. Yeah, but I can't hold on to that. That goes straight through me. No, I had to leave you on air to run and do one just then. You did. (laughs) There was nothing stopping me. Oh, Now, we're going to get straight into today's episode. We're not going to ramble like last week's intro um, because we don't want you all to boycott No, what I loved is when someone wrote, this was a great episode. So just skip to the first 15 minutes and you can watch, you can listen. So I wrote back saying, oh gosh, was the intro too much? You're telling everyone to skip to 15 minutes. And she said, no, that was a passive aggressive, not so subtle hint to get my partner to listen to it. So I wanted him to see it on my stories. But I also knew that if he listened to the first 15 minutes, he would have turned it off. And I was like, okay, good. I just want to make sure that you did have a laugh and you don't think we're complete freaks. But moving on, we chat to the beautiful Beck today from Trip in a Van. If you don't follow her, she is just, as I said before, an absolute joy. And so are you, Jade. You are a joy. And she has been on the road traveling Australia with her family for six years. And we know this is like the Australian dream for so many people. So we asked her all of your questions, chatted about the reality of it. And yeah, Jade and I are off. We're actually leaving our kids behind, but Jade and I are hitting the road. See you later. See you later, Uru. The part with the kids didn't sound that tempting, but the part about being on the road did. (laughs) We hope you enjoy it. Hello, Beck. Welcome to the podcast. I absolutely love following along on your family adventures on Instagram. So I'm a little bit fangirly chatting to you right now. But uh, for those of our listeners who don't know who you are, who your family are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family and the life you live? Yes, I can. So my name is Beck, and me and my husband and my three kids, Jack, Billy and Charlie, We are a family that have been traveling Australia for the last six years, would you believe it, in a 21-foot space. We've been traveling the country and just having an absolutely brilliant time. I can't bloody believe it and I am in awe of you and I think so many people listening will be in awe of you. We want to suck the life out of your brain with questions on how, (laughs) why, where, but let's just start on how you actually came to the decision of packing up your life and going on the road. Well, at the time, my husband was working in mining and he was doing shift work and I'd literally just popped out a baby. So I just had my daughter, Charlie, and there was a change in work circumstances and his mine had shut down. So he got basically had to get a new job. 
the work-life balance just went way out the window. He was just working so much. I was having to try and breastfeed and keep a toddler quiet during the day while he slept from night shift. And to be honest, it just wasn't working. And he was just mentally spiraling. He it just was not an enjoyable time in our life. And yeah, he just literally texted me from work one day and he said, Hey, do you want to go travel Australia? And I was like, well, mate, back up. Like I've just had a baby. I was still in a newborn phase here. Yeah. And we kind of, I sat on it for a few days and yeah. And then one day I just, he just come home from work and I said, bugger it, let's do it. Like, let's get a caravan and travel Australia. And so was it something that you'd done before? Because I feel like I sometimes have friends who are like, oh, you know, we're thinking of buying a caravan and just taking off. And then they get one and they go on a week trip and they're like, holy shit, that was a bit more intense than it looked like other people doing it on Instagram. Like, was it something you had experience in to know that it was something that you were going to enjoy? Uh, For sure. Like we'd done camping here and there out of the back of the ute. And um, then when we had two kids, we were in a camper trailer and freaking hated that just with the setup and pack up, but loved the lifestyle of camping. We actually didn't know anyone that had traveled Australia. Like I was on Instagram, Googling. I was like, there's nothing out there to tell you how to travel Australia. And that's essentially how my blog started up. And initially, was it like, oh, we're going to go for six months or were you literally like, let's go indefinitely and see how we go? Yeah, we went the whole hog and we said, let's do 12 months. I'll be honest. I can't really handle any travel with my kids. (laughs) And I don't know if it's the age, which we will get to that question because a lot of people have asked that question, what is the best age? But it is just something that overwhelms me and perhaps if I'm more prepared, but I am a very prepared person. So I don't know, do I need to like let let go of a few things, stop being like a perfectionist in areas or I'm not too sure. So I really am excited to find out these answers. But in terms of family logistics and admin, what needs to be sorted out first before you can just pack up your entire life? I think the biggest one is are you going to rent or sell your home? I think that's probably the big one. Definitely, if you've got school-aged children, how the heck are you going to school your kids on the road? And another big one is your setup. What do you want to travel in? You've got to get a four-wheel drive if you want to tow a caravan. Do you want a bus? Do you want a combi? You know, there's so many options out there. Do you want an off-road caravan, an on-road caravan? So I think that's kind of where you need to initially start. And what are the, like, because I remember when my friend Luca hit the road and she was kind of like, oh, you know, we're going to save money. It'll be so cheap. And then all of a sudden she was like, oh my goodness, the amount you end up spending on petrol. And I mean, especially nowadays on petrol and, you know, and, and, you know, you can't be in free camping sites every night. And you, and, and she just said it ended up being so much more expensive than they expected. Do you think you spend more on the road than you would if you lived in one house somewhere? Well, obviously I can't make that judgment now because I've been on the road for six years, but six years ago. <laughs> You're I- like, what is life in a house? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But six years ago, hell yeah, you would save money. Like we would budget like very comfortably do $1,000 a week and that was covering your food, fuel, accommodations, attractions and activities, your insurances. Basically it covered everything and you would spend that $1000 a week and we were we went being tight asses if you know what I mean. Yeah. So 
I don't think that's, well, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Nowadays, it's a different story. How much would it be nowadays? I reckon it'd be minimum 1500 a week. Yeah. So when you started on the road, how long did it take for you to find your groove and go, actually, you know, this is starting to work or did it just work straight away? I feel like mentally I was so prepared for that. Like when we discussed hitting the road in my head, I was like, there is going to be a full on adjustment period. I'm not sure how long that'll go for, but we were hitting the road with a three-year-old, a two-year-old and a six-month-old baby. So we've just literally pulled them out of their home, put them in a caravan. So we kind of knew, and the little bit of research that I had available to me, I knew that there was going to be an adjustment period. Like I said, I wasn't sure how long that would be. But for us, every family really is different. Some people slot into the lifestyle, their dream boats, they just go on their merry way, not us. I would say it took us about four to six weeks to really get in our groove. And I can honestly say after that, like three, four week period, I was like to my husband, Justin, mate, I think we need to turn around and go home. Mm. Like it just was not working. Kids were screaming. And two, Justin had just gone from a full-time job to, hello, you're a stay-at-home dad now. So you've got kids 24-7 and he was just like, like, what am I doing? This is hard. This is hectic. I was like, welcome to my life. And what adjustments have you had to make in terms of not even just being around your kids all the time, but you and your husband being around one another all the time? And it's not just like, oh, we're both in the home and we can go off to our separate offices or like you can go in the backyard. Like you are literally in the space of one small room. Like what what changes did your relationship have to go through? A lot actually. Like I said, I feel like that four to six week period was a really testing period for Justin and I. And again, we were well prepared for it. We talked about it prior to getting in the caravan. And I think for us, it's definitely having mutual respect. Uh, It's definitely having really, really good communication. And it got to the point where you just kind of have to say, mate, you're being an absolute asshole. You (laughs) go, go fishing. Like you need a break. And it's, it's having those chats and that communication. And he'll say to me, you know what, Beck, go for an hour, go and have a coffee. And you would know as parents yourselves, like that's all you need sometimes. Yeah. It's just a 15 minute break and a coffee just to like, you know, get yourself back. <laughs> and you stopped having children after three. Was that because you don't have time to have sex in the caravan or <laughs> is it because you didn't want any more children? <laughs> Listen, you know what? Where there's a will, there is a way. Okay. Yes. I cannot tell you how many people wrote this question in. I think a lot of people are like, oh, going on the road sounds like a good idea, but where and when the hell are we going to have sex? No, you can. Go on. I literally get this question all the time through my social media and it's completely justifiable. But I think over the years, like initially when you leave with two toddlers and a baby, it's just, it just works because they're so little and they go to bed at seven o'clock and they have their day naps and and we would have sex based around that. But now that they're getting older, it's a little bit more challenging. Um, But in saying that now that they're older, you're like, Hey, go and ride your bikes for a little bit. Or do you want to duck over to that playground over there? And I don't know, you just make it work. You have to make it work. And they look at each other and they're like, Oh, there's that caravan of rocking again. (laughs) Don't go knocking. Yeah. Beck and Justin are in town. They're standing out the front going, Mom, why is the door locked? I'm like, Ooh. 
we I was joking about this. I can't even remember. It was on an episode recently that I thought it was hard to organize having sex around my kids. And I mean, at least they're four and two. So any lie you tell them about what you're getting up to, they believe it, whatever you put them in front of a show. But recently we've also been living with my brother and my sister-in-law and I'm like, no, convincing the older ones is way harder. Like I can't just ask my sister-in-law to sit down and watch a show while Nick and I go and have sex. Like, so I imagine with the older kids, it's much the same. Like if you're just like, mommy and daddy are off to have a shower, they'd be like, yeah, righto. (laughs) Well, you know, our eldest is 10 this year. So he's starting to become well aware of what sex is. And he's got a few questions now and I try and be completely open and honest about it. So yeah. But I guess spontaneity and the adventure like in itself is what makes it so exciting because you don't know where you're going to pull up. You don't know where you're going to be doing it. And that is... The living or the the it? The it, mainly. (laughs) Because when we go travelling with our children... You're pulling up, pulling out. Well, that's right. And that's that's the excitement of it all. That actually makes, I guess, like I think we have sex more when we are on holiday, believe it or not, than when we are at home because it is such an exciting, invigorating experience that you're on, even if you are tired with kids. And you don't have the pressures of home. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. at home, you're like in a routine, it's stressful and kids, but when you're on holidays, you're completely relaxed. So you have sex. And is that what it still feels like to you six years down the track? Like, do you feel like you're on a holiday or because it's become your normal life, have those kind of normal life pressures crept back in? Um, I think now that like we work on the road and it has really evolved over the years. And we started off, we went 12 months. It was like a work for a year. We just went traveling sort of thing, but because we wanted to continue to travel, we, you know, you have to find work. And I guess, yeah, those work pressures have crept crept in for sure. And now we school our kids and that those pressures have crept in. But in saying that I still absolutely adore the lifestyle and the way our kids are growing up in that lifestyle and the benefits of it as a family unit Mm. the benefits of it just as resilient kids like you just can't put a price on that and I think having those kind of external pressures just kind of you just blow it off it's like you know this lifestyle is so epic for our family and you know it's it's just life it is a lifestyle now do they ever get upset about like making friends and then moving on or do you ever like because I think I think one of the things I would find hardest on the road is as much as I love my family I'm also a very social person and I fill up my cup by being around my friends and I you know like we would have dinner with friends like at least once a week coming to our house like if not two three times a week that would be the thing I would miss how do you feel about that definitely chatting to other people on the road they have that you know basically that that thing as well but for me I left home when I was 18 I was in the defense force for seven years I've lived all around the country I had friends here and there and I feel like for me other than my school friends that I keep in touch with I actually don't have a solid base of girlfriends that mm-hmm. and when you're traveling around all the time so it's the same with the kids I feel like because they were on the road so young they've learned very well how to make friends and then just like see you later do you know what I mean? mm. so they're so good at that but I feel like they're getting to an age now like like I said my eldest is 10 nearly 10 and I'm feeling like he's wanting that solid circle of friends 
And I'm very wary of that. And can we talk about homeschooling or on the road schooling and how you make it work? Listen, I won't lie. I don't love it. I'm not a teacher, but it enables us to travel and it enables us to make an income. So that's how I see it. For us, we do one to two hours, five days a week of schooling. So uh, the kids get up, they have brekkie, they get stuck straight into their schoolwork. So we like this morning, we started at, you know, 7.30. They did their schoolwork to about nine o'clock. And yeah, it's like, yeah, I think that the older they're getting, the harder it's getting. And I'm on Google flat out trying to work out answers and things, but it works. So it's not anything that you you follow online, like a homeschool thing or it is? Yeah, so we do distance education and there's various distance ed options within your state. There's homeschooling, there's school of the air. You've just really got to find out what suits you and your family. For me, I started homeschooling prep with my first and then I did the same with my middle child as well. And it worked for that prep year because it's very play-based preppies, you know, and you're teaching them the absolute basics and you can get so many resources from Kmart and things. But I found coming into year one that Jack got very bored of me and I don't have a creative bone in my body. So I looked into distance ed and they send out the work to you basically for like the month and you do all the work and you send it back and, and they correct it and give feedback. So it works for us, the distance ed. That's great. And does it get stressful? I don't know. So do, so the distance ed stuff, is that all paper-based or is it online-based? Like do you find it stressful with your work, obviously being very online with YouTube and social media and them homeschooling? Is reception around Australia and internet connection, does that get stressful? That's why we went with the providers we've gone with is because they're, they're primarily paper-based because I didn't want to have to rely on reception. Yeah. We actually go out of service quite a lot. Um, we love going to remote campsites and, and remote beaches and things. So that was really important to have a paper-based schooling program. And then they can get online if they if they want to, such as like reading eggs or maths online or, you know, their online kind of sessions that they can go to, not compulsory. So, yeah. But what they are learning on the road is monumental. And I think like I take my hat off to you and I really hope that, you know, after this, episode I'm going to have a lot of tips and go to my husband and say let's go around Australia for six months because I think traveling personally it made me a completely different human being and it was a very positive influence I learned a hell of a lot and if I could instill a little bit of that into my kids at their age then why not oh no I've got a question from Jade last time she was in a caravan her and her husband and all her kids got the flu and she vowed to never travel with her children ever again and this morning me waking up with the flu I actually thought when we were going to jump on this fucking hell imagine if I was waking up in a caravan or some form of motorhome this morning what do you do when you're sick like especially when your kids were younger do you know what when you are traveling and you're not in the school system and daycare and things, your kids don't really get that sick. I think mm. that's one of the benefits of traveling Australia is that your kids are just out in the elements all the time and they just, they never get sick. But one thing we've mainly gotten sick from is bad water. We have had family gastro a couple of times and I can tell you it is the most horrendous 48 hours of my life. It is awful. And I've only got one set of sheets in here. It's a lot of washing but it's just you bunker down for two days and vomit and shit. 
Like, yeah. yeah. And is that the same? Well, not the same, but what do you do when it's raining? Do you just bunker down? Well, again, another benefits when you're traveling Australia is that you follow the sun. So what month are we in February now? Like it's not raining here where we are in Queensland, but you do, you follow the seasons and you, you avoid the rain sort of thing. So until recently we went, we worked out, we went nine months without rain. Not wow. a of rain. Yes, yeah, so we had rain down. I think it was across the Nullarbor or something that we just drove last week. And yeah, it's fine. Like, to be honest, I kind of really like it because it, it forces you to stop. It forces you to have a day in the caravan. The kids get to watch a movie. You make hot chocolates. It just works. It's actually a bit of a novelty, to be honest. Yeah. And so what do you do about washing? Do you like plan out your week stopping somewhere that has a laundromat or what do you do oh, for God, washing? No. no, I've got a washing machine in my caravan. So oh. yeah, I got a little two kilo one. And that when we set off, that was one of the things I said to my husband, I want, I want a shower, I want a toilet and a, I want a washing machine because I'm not you know, basing our stays off laundromats and caravan parks just to get the washing done. And now we have this like full lithium off-grid setup. So I can actually run my washing machine off the battery in the caravan. So I don't even need to be connected to power to run it. Unreal. Yeah, it's pretty cool. How lame that we're the most excited about the fact that you have a washing machine on board. (laughs) That's a mum hack for sure. What is your most ideal itinerary around Australia? That is one of the biggest questions that came in. And I know that is a very hard thing to answer, but if you were to start somewhere, where would you begin? So I find that a lot of people that follow me on social media or us, I should say, um, are from that New South Wales, Victorian area. So Mm -hmm. I've done, I've got a whole itinerary that you can, it's a downloadable purchase on my website and it's got like a full itinerary of Australia. And I always advise that you're down the bottom, like so South Australia, Victoria and the bottom of Western Australia in summer. So that would be, you know, from December through to February, March. And then from March, you start making your way up the WA coast and then you hit the top end in the dry season, which goes from June to about September and you go across the top end then, and then you come down the Queensland coast, coming back into summer again. Now, if anyone's not, it makes so much sense. If anyone isn't following Trip in a Van on Instagram, do so because it is incredible. But if you go to her link in bio, there is so many links to um, itineraries, their blog, um, all the questions that we're talking about is more in depth over there. So definitely we'll We'll have a link to the show notes so people can find out more. So the fact that you've been doing it for six years, do you find that you guys return to the same places or you guys continue? I mean, Australia is a freaking big place. Do you continue to check out new places or how do you kind of maneuver it? Are you like, do you get bored? No, because like you said, Australia is absolutely massive. And I think just in the last 12 months, we hit like some really massive destinations that we'd never been to in the prior five years. So yeah, you're always, you're always just discovering new places but the beauty of it is it that you can go back to the places that you really love such as Exmouth and the Ningaloo Reef absolutely love that area so we always you know go back that way but yeah this year oh sorry in the last 12 months we hit the you probably don't even know these places but we did the Udnadatta track we discovered heaps on the Air Peninsula did Arnhem Land which was amazing and we hit the Gibb River Road which is absolutely incredible so you know 
we hadn't done them five years prior and we hit four of those in the last 12 months, which is unbelievable. But I do feel like now that I've, we've covered a lot, we really have. Unreal. I feel really content now that with what I've seen traveling Australia. Yeah. And how often would you hit a snag in terms of like having to replace a tire or repair something or that, that would be probably my biggest fear is that I would be somewhere super rural. No one's driving past us for a solid six hours and Nick asked me to help him change a tire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've been there. It's happened. We broke down in a really remote part, no reception. It was like 38 degrees. We we're on the side of the road now. Our car blew up. Yeah. So it's important to get going with a really quality setup because you do not want those issues when you're traveling Australia and to have really good roadside assistance we have top cover so it's really important to to cover all bases and when you are in those situations or in an emergency situation where you are remote and don't have service you need to have something like a satellite phone it's just so important now talk us through what you should be looking for in a four-wheel drive and a caravan if you were to go on the road Mm, I think the big one is budget like what is your budget because the sky's the limit you can just keep adding and adding and adding accessories sort of thing but for us we travel um, in a land cruiser Uh, we have a chop 200 and we also have a sunseeker caravan and it's a fully off-road van that suits us and our needs but a lot of people don't want to go off-road and they don't want to go to remote places they just want to stay on the bitumen so you're essentially taking off a lot of money seventy thousand dollars just to go to an on-road van but you do need you do need a decent car to to tow a caravan and you really need to look at a four-wheel drive and their their towing capabilities so they might be three ton towing three and a half ton towing so you've got to be mindful of when you're purchasing a caravan, how heavy it is and can your car tow it? Because yeah. there's a lot of people driving around illegally, let me tell you, and overweight. That would just be so stressful though. Like there's a reason that it has a towing capacity. Yeah. I leave all that stuff up to my husband. So no, you actually explained that really well. Cause I thought you were going to say a whole bunch of words that I would have. Oh. Absolutely. You know, when you go and get your car service and you're like, honestly, you could tell me you had to do anything to my car and I would believe you like, so that was great. My husband's a handyman and he's a mechanic and he just says shit to me in layman's terms, so I'm very appreciative of that. Well, if he wasn't five years ago, he bloody well is now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, what do you need? What are the must-haves inside a caravan that you cannot live without? Well, let's get back to basics, you know, shower, toilet, washing machine. How many kids you got? You got two kids, twin bunks. You got three kids, triple bunks. I have a main bed right behind me here. It's a queen. You know, we have a fridge, a washing machine. We have a battery system that can power a coffee machine. Like I said, you can just keep adding and adding and adding. But that for me, they were, if you want to go traveling Australia comfortably, and I, I have this thing where there's things that are doable and there's others that are enjoyable. And what we have, our setup is enjoyable, but doing it in a camper trailer is doable. But is it enjoyable? No. <laughs> so yeah, traveling for 12 months trailer would be hectic yeah but it's doable and so talk us through your wardrobe you would have the most capsule minimalistic wardrobe or does just everyone else in your family has a tiny wardrobe and yours is the rest of the van yes you've nailed it there Sophie you know what I've literally have two cupboards and I have a whole container under my bed as well just with winter stuff but I definitely have way too many clothes but I did set off very minimal 
So I, I packed like four pairs of shorts, four singlets, four T-shirts, a jumper, um, a pair of trousers, you know, a set of Burks and some sneakers sort of thing. That's what I set off with. But yeah, I've just accumulated a lot of stuff over the years. It's terrible. I've got, I definitely have way too many clothes. So don't do what I do. You work with lots of brands as well though. Yeah, I just work with a couple of like clothing brands and things. But when they give me new stuff, I try to gift on yeah. the other stuff or give it to Vinnie's because you're right, you can't keep everything. But I definitely have way more than I need. Can you talk us through the toilet setup? What is the emptying like? It is shit. <laughs> I don't like emptying the toilet. That is um, Justin's job. Yeah, so basically it looks like a normal toilet and you slide it open and it's just like a hole with a canister. And so you wee and poo down there and then you shut the flap. And you, you use normal toilet paper and we put chemical down to keep the smell at bay. And then on the outside of the caravan is like a hatch and you open the hatch and pull the canister out and you take it to a dump point. And we would do that every three days. We get about three days out of a canister, but we run two canisters now because we like to go off grid for, you know, a week. So we run two canisters and then get a dump there's dump points everywhere around Australia now it's pretty incredible yeah and you just offload your contents sometimes do you just do it outside just to save the toilet like do you just go oh I'm just gonna do a um I think I used to but now, now that it's Justin's job you don't nah, nah. <laughs> I, the, Justin and my boys do but me and my daughter will wee on the toilet but yeah Justin and the boys will like pee on the bush and stuff I don't know which question to ask next. Should we talk about the sleeping arrangements and how you get that to work when children are younger or should we talk about the food budget and how you make that work weekly? To be honest, I don't really have a food budget. Oh, what's a weekly cooking schedule like? You know what makes me laugh? Like I love that you ask these questions because I think it's such a um, A myth. Yes, people think you get on the road and you're eating a snagging bread every night. Like, honestly, that's what they think. But I have a full kitchen set up here. I've got a sink. I've got a cooktop. And we eat exactly the same as we would at home. There really is no difference. Um, so you cooking tuna bake for your kids is the same as me and Caravan took cooking tuna bake for the kids. We have steak and veg every night. Oh, not every night, but we have steak and veg quite often. Yeah, it really is no different. And in regards to the to the budgeting, I think I probably did, well, I did budget early on in the days. But yeah, I think as I'm getting older and, and when you start to make money, it, ch- it changes things a little bit. And we're in remote places a lot of the time. So bang on 20% for, for groceries. Mm. You know, they like to jack the prices up there, which is fair enough. Yeah. But we would spend 500 bucks a week on groceries and probably a little bit extra in remote places like, you know, on the Savannah Way or on the Unidata track or, you know, various places. Even Exmouth is really expensive. So yeah. And so you're mainly cooking inside, not outside. Um, we've got a Weber that slides outside of the caravan. So we do cook on the barbie a lot. And I even do like cakes and roasts in there. Yeah. And yeah, we do everything on the Weber. We try to cook outside as much as we can because it's just nice to cook outside. Mm. But like I said, I've got my cooktop here. I could have had an oven in this van, but I chose not to because I use the Weber as an oven. Clever. Um, and I wanted that extra drawer space to put my pots and pans and things in so 
Yeah, it's it's no different. We did a motorhome trip around New Zealand when my eldest daughter, who's now four, she would have been about six months old. And on the first night, like we went in the middle of winter, so it was really cold. And the first night we couldn't cook outside and we cooked sausages and something else inside. And I think we were in the motorhome for a week and it fucking stunk like these lamb and rosemary sausages for the entire week and we were just like why did we cook that on the first night inside Honey, I, 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 when I set off on my travels everyone was like don't cook in your caravan but I can hand on heart say that we do not have that issue I don't know what it is yeah even when my ventilation closed up yeah it must be yeah ventilation and yeah, just don't cook rosemary snacks. <laughs> Hot tip. Dude. Just make better choices. <laughs> but everything tastes like whenever we go camping, like my my husband's a good cook and he will cook like the most standard burger and if it's cooked over fire outside, oh. there's just something. I'm like, what did you do to that? That is the best burger I've ever had and it's literally like it was just a patty from like the dodgy butcher down the road and a bun. That's all it was. Oh, mate, the other night and the kebabs were I shit you not the best thing I've ever eaten in my life because they were cooked over the fire yeah yum love a good fire feed so let's chat kids so when you headed out you had three very young children what were the sleeping arrangements and how how did you get them to to sleep yeah, listen, I won't lie. It was absolute horror. When we set off, like I said before, my daughter was six months old and she was teething. What timing is that when you hit the road? So she was teething and then my two-year-old started having night terrors and the three-year-old, he was pretty good. I think it was a novelty. He was quite excited. So we did not sleep for that first month because Billy was waking, just screaming with these night terrors. And then Charlie was constantly waking because she was teething and wanted the boob. And I, I kind of look back now and I feel like that period is a bit of a blur because I was probably just so delirious and trying to navigate this new lifestyle that we've trying to create. But what I would do, I would literally sit on the couch here and I would breastfeed Charlie. So she was a little bit dozy and I get her into bed first at like 10 to 7 and then the boys would get into bed and we would have to lie with them initially till they till they got really dozy and got themselves to sleep and then over time that just eventually got better and better and better and now like I could be outside and I'll be like oh you go and brush your teeth and get into bed and they'll just do it and they just fall asleep you know together every night they're just so used to it now but they were sleeping at their grandparents the other day and my daughter come out and she was like mom this is so weird I'm sleeping in such a big space and I'd never really comprehended that like They've been lying in these tiny little beds for like six years and now she's in this room with a bed and she was just like, she couldn't sleep. I was like, oh. That's so <laughs> And sweet. so did you have some kind of like, like I know bunks have obviously got a bit of a side on it anyway, but did you have like an extended side considering like, I mean, your three-year-old was still pretty young to be on the top of a triple bunk? Yeah, they've got what do you call the sides of the bunk. Like a safety guard. Yeah, they had all of, all of those are on the side of the bunk. Oh, genius. Yeah. And they don't just climb out of it? Like, really? No. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. they. I mean, they're they're older now, but when they were younger, we actually put a safety gate on my daughter's bunk because she kept getting out of bed through the night. So we put a safety gate on it 
and we were just like it was just a big w one that my husband bolted into the side of side of the bunk and so we would just open that in and out but then she started climbing through the ladder the holes in the ladder (laughs) so then we had to like nail a pillowcase so she couldn't get out through the (laughs) through the ladder and she had that until she was probably like 20 months maybe and then my three-year-old would get off the top bunk and we taught him how to open up the safety gate so I didn't even have to get out of bed Oh. I was like, mate, let your sister out. And he'd hop, hop down and he'd open her up. And she Some come. would call it a cage. Yeah, it's a cage, absolutely. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> That's another term for that. I will say my husband, his parents have at, at like their holiday house, they have a bunk room and we slept in there recently, both of us down the bottom of separate bunks. And it was one of the best sleeps I have had in my adult life. There was something so nostalgic about it and I felt so safe in this almost box. So I do get why your daughter all of a sudden in the open space was like, whoa, like there's something really safe and secure of being like in it. Yeah. And they've got everything in there. They've got their little toys and they've got their light and all their little knickknacks and things. So it really is a safe, like familiar space for them. Now, what about babysitters? When they were younger, did you ever get times off? Again, I think that comes back to the communication with your husband, you know, and yeah, having, girl. getting that time out and, and saying, you know what, and just owning it, going, I feel like shit today. I'm not mentally stable. I need to go out and, and relax at the beach or, yeah, and I just, it's just that mutual respect and there's no competition and, yeah, and that's how we did it, you know, and that's why we went on our travels was to have that family time and that quality time with our kids. But in saying that, kids are hard work, like it's hectic. And when you're in each other's spaces 24-7, absolutely you need a break. And that's where you need to, yeah, just have great communication with your other half and and get your time out. It's so important. And, And getting time out for both of you as well. So do you think if you were interested in traveling with your children around Australia, would you commit to 12 months or would you commit to three months and see how you go? I would definitely start with baby steps first. It's like we've known people to hit the road and go, we're traveling for 12 months and and they do. They only last three months and they go home because yeah. the family dynamic just doesn't work. And, and for some people it just doesn't work, unfortunately. And I definitely recommend going and hiring a caravan and doing a little trip to, to your local. Absolutely. See if it's for you because it really isn't for everyone. But I guess if you're setting off, like you probably do want to know approximately, because like obviously if you're setting off for 12 months, you're probably going to have to sell more things and make bigger life changes than if you're setting off for three yes. months. So it probably is really good to dip your toe in first and see. Yeah, because if you have 12 months, you rent your house out and you go, you know what, this sucks. You want to go home, you stop. Yeah. Yeah. So if I, if I said, okay, in six months, no, in a year's time, I want to head off on the road for six months and I've already bought my caravan and I have a four-wheel drive, how much realistically do you think I need to kind of like have in the bank if I wanted to not work the whole time? I would definitely budget off minimum $1,000 a week. Yeah. If you're a family, absolutely, yeah. Because it, it's just inflation is insane. Like a caravan park for us now, you're looking at minimum, minimum $70 a night to stay in a caravan. Wow. And that never, ever used to be the case. Like back when we started traveling in 2016, you were, you were lucky to pay $35 maximum a night. So it's like a lot of car and, and don't get me wrong. Those caravan parks are full. 
You know what I mean? Like you would even struggle to even get into a caravan park these days. But I think nowadays, a lot of people have just changed their priorities and they're making an emphasis on going away with their family and having quality time. And they're willing to pay that $70 a night. It's cheaper than going to a hotel, I guess. And yeah. And how many nights a week would you stay in a caravan park versus somewhere that was free? Depends what it is. Like we stayed in Broome. We stayed there for three months (laughs) in a caravan park. And then some nights we might only do one or two. It just depends how we're feeling, how the weather is, what there is to see and do in the area. And that's the beauty of the lifestyle. You know, you're, you're on your own time frame. You do whatever you want. And someone asked, how many times do you break per kilometers? If that is a thing? Yeah, absolutely. So basically we don't like to do more than 200 Ks a day. Like if we're, you know, we might do 200 Ks and stop for a week or 200 Mm. Ks and stop for a day. We just find that that's a sweet spot. Like my husband doesn't love driving, you know, but in remote areas, it's inevitable that you've got to do 500 kilometer days. So again, we try and do two, 300 Ks. We might stop off for lunch and then get back in the car and do another couple of hundred if needed. So what's that? Maybe like four hours or so. Well, 100 kilometers you do that in an hour yeah yeah so you do a couple of hours of driving stop for lunch let the kids have a run around get back in the car for another couple of hours but like I said we try to avoid that it's that's not how we like to travel but sometimes you have to especially when you're going across the Kimberley and, and remote parts of Australia so but when when they were little we would time our driving with sleeps so when they went down for their 10 a.m nap well, especially the baby yeah we'd hit the road and we and then we'd pull up at lunchtime and she was ready to go so it worked really well and what are some products that you thought you needed and you ended up not needing at all I think definitely when you go traveling Australia you set off with way more than you actually need I know for me I was like had all the appliances a rice cooker a toaster but I just didn't use it and you get to a point where you're just like there's just too much stuff and it does take you that first month or two to really nut out what you do and don't need and I remember in that first month or two sending stuff back to my parents um you know gifting it on to people going to salvos because I thought I needed it but I just didn't and I think the big one is appliances another one is toys and things like you just don't need the kids just don't play with toys they really don't they're outside exploring and when you're traveling Australia you're you're on the go quite often and we typically set off with practical things like a surfboard some bikes and some scooters so the bit yeah you just got to try and keep as minimal as possible and I love that with kids because they use their imagination instead of thinking like at the moment my my children are like oh, well, what do I do if I'm not watching the TV? Oh, can I play this game on the computer? Oh, if I'm not doing that, can I go back to a screen? I'm like, my husband says all the time, pick up a book, like open a book or go outside. We have a trampoline, we have a bike, like use these things. But because we are in a situation where they're they're so accessible, then they're always going to go for that option. So this is the part that I love about traveling because you, you don't have those things with you and then they have to actually start creating like back in the day. I mean, I sound old saying that, but like all I did was use my imagination to play and make up games. 
Yeah, it's really important. To- it's healthy to be bored. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. It's really important to let your kids get bored. And for a l- very long time, our kids played with sticks and stones and, and climbed trees, and they still do to this day. Now, obviously, you make money through social media and YouTube, and if Jade and I decided to pick up and go on the road, maybe together, we know that we would be able to continue doing our jobs on the road. But that's, you know, not everyone has the personality type that they want to start a YouTube channel. What other kind of jobs have you come across that people are doing on the road that maybe people wouldn't think that they, you know, that they could pick up their career and do it? Absolutely. I think with COVID and everything, it's like everyone's jobs, part of it can just about go remote or online, which is pretty awesome. And I think that's why we're seeing a massive influx of travellers because people are like, oh, cool, I can just work from my computer and travel Australia. And we are seeing so much of that now, like just about any job that you could think of is potentially on the road right now. But if you have a trade and your job isn't online, there is so much work around Australia. They're desperate to get baristas up there and they're advertised. It was like 95 grand a year they were going to pay them to be a barista in Broome. Like the jobs around the country are absolutely insane. If you're willing just to, to give anything a go and have an open and positive attitude, you can make money travelling Australia. Absolutely. My accountant lives on a boat with his four kids and he did that way before, you know, like it was before COVID. So it was like, it was so novel, I guess, when he did it, people were like, what, you can be an accountant and be living all around the world. Um, Whereas I feel like, as you say, nowadays with COVID, people do realise that their jobs aren't as sedentary or you know, in one spot as they originally thought. Or a lot of people are going part-time, so they're only having to work like two or three days a week and then they travel the rest. So there's so many options out there now. And also I think that if you don't have a massive amount of savings, to have the idea of if you do go to a certain location and you are happy there for a few months, who's to say you can't pick up a job, work and enjoy that time where you are living and then move on so you can, you know, get the best of both worlds? Absolutely. This it's just the and the options are endless these days. And so what's next for you guys? Do you think you're just gonna keep on going or is your heart calling you to be in one place? You got something what's going next? on. We do. It's very exciting. We bought a block of land in Queensland and we did that in January and we were over in Exmouth at the time and we were just like, yeah, we'll cruise down and spend some time in Market River. And we got down there and all we could talk about was this block of land. And uh, no, we're just down there. We thought, fuck it, let's go back to Queensland. And we literally beelined it across the Nullarbor through outback New South Wales and Queensland and and come to the block and we've got a little shed on here that we're going to completely reno and for us traveling Australia for six years we've never had a base we've never had an address and so it's super exciting the kids are so pumped to have a trampoline and to build a tree house we've got a beautiful dam here and Justin's going to build them a zip line and yeah so the plan is to like have this little base and do our trips from here and be able to come back and yeah, it's just busy out on the road there and, yeah, it's just nice to come back and, like, just sit and regroup and it's so peaceful here and quiet and, yeah, it's um it's hard when you're travelling Australia and you're in caravan parks and campsites and I don't mean to sound like a flog here but everyone knows who you are, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, yeah, you kind of never have your privacy so it's going to be nice here to just to really stop and, and have some time out and, 
Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. But we actually have a trip booked down. We're doing the snow and the Victorian high country. And we'll basically, we'll do this Renault for the next month or two. And then we'll start heading south and do the snow this year, which we've never done before. So that's super exciting. So are you living in your caravan on your block while you do the Renaults? Yeah. I can't wait to see your Renault because I feel like being on the road, you're not going to have this, you know, approach to your house of like, oh, we need this and these tiles and this, you know, beautiful curve. I think it's going to be, I'm just assuming, it's going to be Who are you pointing that towards with the tiles and the curves in their kitchen? Oh my God, Sophie. Oh my God. No, so not that stupid showy offy Sophie bitch. (laughs) But it's going to be so nice to see what you're going to put in there. And I also want to say, and without saying that I'm a fangirl, but I just love social media accounts that radiate energy and you radiate energy. Your family does. You are an inspiration to travel around Australia. And I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story. You're going to make me teary. Thank you. That's so kind. Hey, I have a last question for you. Would you go overseas and travel with your kids? Absolutely. That is definitely on the radar. Um, We want to go and do New Zealand in a motorhome and I want to take, we lived in Canada for a year before kids. So we want to take the kids back to Canada, maybe do a white Christmas and visit the Rockies again. So we want to do that in the next two years. If you want any tips on New Zealand traveling in a caravan with kids, do not come to me. I'm just saying. Apparently you can't take a caravan over there because the roads are too narrow. You have to do it in a motorhome. Yeah, just don't get sick. That's all I can say. (laughs) Don't get sick. Or when I went with coffee, it was like negative two our first night and she she had never co-slept with us before because <laughs> she just wasn't that type of kid. We had to bring her into bed with us because we didn't realise that the motorhome had heating. <laughs> we found out the next morning it had heating oh. and we had this little icicle between oh us. None of us oh. freaking slept. And then the next morning I was like, oh, what does this do? Oh, it's the heating. Great, cool. Another thing to add on to that actually because when we traveled around Europe a few times in a van we didn't have kids but we went with absolutely nothing but our backpacks so whenever we purchased a van to travel in we would have to you know pick up things along the way and I think this was an amazing approach to have instead of you know being given everything and jamming everything in one van because when you are traveling you then go oh actually, that would be a really good thing to have. And then you go and source for it. It's not like we're in the middle of nowhere forever. There's always going to be an opportunity that if you do forget something or you choose not to bring all these items, you can always pick something up. That's my number one piece of advice for anyone traveling with kids anywhere, whether that be like an interstate flight, an overseas thing. I think as parents, we can so quickly go, what are all the scenarios (laughs) that can happen? And what are all the things I need for said scenarios? And it's like, If you're flying to Melbourne, anything you need to get is there. And if you're traveling overseas, likely anything you need to get is there. And 
like if these things have never happened in your child's lifetime, like they're probably not going to happen while you travel as well. And if they do, then deal with them at the time because there is nothing more annoying than travelling with kids and having like seven bags and every like baby item you can possibly think of and your baby strapped to you in a carrier. Like you want to be as light as possible. Hey, take it from me firsthand. If I can go to Europe and forget my suitcase (laughs) and I can go to Melbourne and forget Billy's suitcase and I can go all around everywhere and forget people's suitcases it's okay it is okay actually this time when we we came to Melbourne I squeezed every everyone so four people in two suitcases and they're pretty much half empty because I just thought you know what we have a washing machine if you dirty that one like jumper We'll wash it. I'm so sick of coming home and then having to unpack it. It sits there for six months and I'm like, oh, we'll wait till we travel again and then we'll just zip it back up. Mm. People travel for seven days and think they need seven outfits. Oh, my God. I mean, it's fabulous. Yeah, like who would do that ever? Not me, no way. Never, (laughs) never. I'm like, what if a cold snap comes through and I need like a snow jacket? It's like it's February. I think you'll be okay. Hey, I'm going to the snow as well in Vico in a few months so if it aligns and I see you I'm definitely gonna come and have a oh yeah have a drink well I'll be driving down through New South Wales to get to Victoria so I might might pop it where in Byron are you well I won't give you my address (laughs) (laughs) I was going to I was literally going to no we like Tiagra like my Oakham I don't know that Anyway, it's when pretty you're much driving foreign. through, I might be in my new house with my tiles and my curves. Oh, yeah, you, you can get to come some and um, check it out. Jade's no longer invited, but you can come. <laughs> get some inspiration. Yeah, get yeah, some no. inspo. Well, thank Love you it. so, so much for joining us. No, no worries. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.